Hello and welcome to Grade 7's Talk to Experts, a podcast where Grade 7 students talk to experts and find out more about their specialty. I'm your host for this episode, Jack, and I'm a student at College Park School in Lloydminster, Alberta. Before we get to our expert for this episode, I just want to share a little bit about who we are and what we will be doing in our podcasts. We are a class of 25 grade seven students in a non-traditional classroom setting where we are focused on experience-based learning using a STEAM approach. That's STEAM, which stands for science, technology, engineering, art, and math. We want to answer that age-old question of why do I have to learn this? By directly connecting what what we study inside the classroom with the world outside school. For our podcast, for our podcast, students will be contacting an expert that they know in their lives. This person could be an expert in their profession or job, or in what could tr- traditionally be considered a hobby or an interest. So, without further delay, I am pleased to introduce our expert for this episode, who is an expert on innovative technology, Brent Buyer, inventor of the Peregrine VR glove. Hello and welcome. Hi, Jack. It's good to be here. Let's start by getting to know you. Please tell us about yourself. All right. Well, um, as you said in your intro, I'm the inventor of something called the Peregrine Glove, Peregrine VR Glove. So there's a, for those listening, I'm holding up a version of the glove I'm wearing on my hand right now, just for everyone to see. I uh, grew up on a farm south of Macklin, and I've lived in Lloydminster since And I was in my second year of college uh, in 2004 when I got the idea to create a glove. Um, My background was really, you know, I was always into computers at a young age. I started programming computers when I was 13. I had saved up money to buy my own, you know, Pentium 386, which may not mean much to you guys, but back then it was a fast computer. And... uh, Honestly, at first I wanted a computer so I could play games and then uh, learn to make my own games, but it grew into a lot more beyond that. And um, so that's how my interest in technology started and it evolved into me, you know, getting into my college years and trying to figure out what I do as a career. And when this idea came, I just decided to go for it with everything I had. So I was more of the, the always the more on the tech side, not as much on the business side of things. So I, I had to learn a lot as I went along. That's that's kind of my quick quick background. How many people were in your family growing up? Well, it was my mom and dad, and then I had a total. It was four four of us. So I had an older brother, and then uh, a younger sister and a younger brother. Tell us about your innovative technology. What do you do? Well, I make smart gloves. So we are bringing human hand into the, the digital world, into the digital age. Right now, when you interact with technology, you do so through an intermediary. Maybe it's a touch screen, maybe it's a keyboard or mouse or joystick. What the Peregrine Glove does and what our technology suite does, we actually let you use your hands to directly interact with technology with digital worlds you can grab and move things um, we're just we're creating a much more natural way to to interact with these uh, these things and basically what our technology does so this virtual reality glove that that we're uh, releasing commercially this year it gives you what we term uh, rich hand presence in virtual reality so it will track your hands with sub-millimeter accuracy. It will track your touches. So when your fingers make contact with your thumb or your palm, we detect those touches instantly. So it's less than 50 milliseconds. It's instant to the, the user. And by doing that, we, we basically let you grab things in VR, move them around, twist, throw, pull. You can tap your fingers to control different buttons. Um, Essentially, we let you use your hands in, in virtual reality in a, in a very easy, effective way. What is your family like now? Um, well, my dad grew up, uh, when I was growing up, he was a farmer and also worked in the oil field. Now he's a retired farmer, so he does as much hunting and fishing as he can. Um, 
my mom, you know, she, she was always a homemaker. Um, and she now just kind of, she's kind of retired too. Um, my brother works security at Husky. My sister works at uh, a credit union and my younger brother uh, is down in Calgary and he worked for TELUS for a while and uh, is currently currently between jobs. So just a few different, few different things, yeah. What is your job? What do you do? I wear a lot of hats, as they say. <laughs> so in a typical day, I can range from doing anything to um, soldering circuit boards and working on technology, meeting with, uh, meeting with my engineering team, to setting up fundraising meetings, to, you know, figuring out ways we can get our, uh, get our marketing content out about our product. So as the co-CEO of the company, um, I focus on technology and operations mainly. And my job is essentially to grow the company, to get, get our technology out there, to set strategy, set vision, build the team. Like with a startup company at our size, at our stage, I do a lot of different things. So it's, it's not just one, one bucket or one area that I work in. Um, so yeah, I could elaborate on it, but essentially I wear a lot of hats. My general focus is on technology and uh, generally just building the company. What is a typical day like for you? Get up, go to the gym, come to the office, spend some time uh, reading and praying, plan out my day, and then I get at it. Um, I try to take certain days of the week where I'll focus more on certain things like Tuesdays and Thursdays. I focus more on working on technology type projects, getting our uh, product closer to its commercial readiness. Uh, Mondays, I generally focus on uh, paperwork and planning. Wednesdays are kind of a flex day and um, Fridays are more for uh, business development and strategy. Everything doesn't always fall into those neat buckets, but I kind of try to line up meetings and work uh, in that way. And so, yeah, basically, work out a plan for the day. Um, I have three main focuses I work on with the company. Uh, number one, my number one goal is launching our commercial Peregrine VR glove. Number two is getting five to 10 corporate clients using our products and our services. And number three is uh, securing our next round of uh, funding for growth. So I let those three, three very clear objectives guide my decisions on what I, I work on to make sure I'm not working on things that don't fall into those priorities or, or at least are sticking to those priorities as much as possible. I'm going to have Blake come up here and ask you a question. All right. Um, how long did it take you to make your first glove? First glove? Probably about three months um but it was very very crude <laughs> i bought some old golf gloves i ripped apart some old keyboards i soldered stuff together i literally had uh just because i had so few tools i actually used a rock to flatten some of the solder out so i could glue it on the hand and basically yeah, i built my first prototype in about three months um while i was still going to college thank you for answering my question no problem. What do you do for fun? Well, I've got three young kids, so uh, my schedule's pretty busy between work and family. But when I do have uh, time off, I, I like to go to the gym. I like to be outdoors. Um, I'll occasionally play PC games. Um, I like to read. And I play a game called uh, Bunok, which is kind of specific to the Macklin region, although spreading more through, more so throughout the, the prairies and even in the U.S. Um, and basically, that that takes up a lot of my time. I guess my big thing is uh, I really want to start doing more 
more camping and more trips, you know, things that I used to do when I was, was younger, but just got so busy with, with my business that uh, I didn't always make time for it. It's kind of, that's kind of what I do for fun. Did you live in Lloydminster as a kid? What was it like? No, I grew up uh, on a farm south of Macklin. So that'd be about an hour and a half south of Lloydminster. Um, so I can tell you what it was like growing up on the farm. Um, I, I really liked it. I mean, we had a lot of peace and quiet. You, you know, I'd go out and play, uh, play and build forts and stuff with my brother. You kind of had to keep yourself entertained, um, make up your own games and stuff like that. Sometimes we did, uh, we did, as we got a little older, got some video game consoles like Nintendo, Super Nintendo N64. So sometimes we'd have cousins over and they would all play a bunch of games together, things like that. Um, but growing up on the farm was nice because I just found that all that peace and quiet at time really gave you a chance to, to really think and um, kind of, I don't know, like connect to uh, connect to yourself, but also give you like a sensitivity to the, the world around you uh, because you, I guess you just learned to pay attention to uh, what was around you when you were on the farm. So that's, that was my uh, childhood growing up. And, and I went to a small school. So there was like up till grade six, I was actually in a school where the whole school had 21 students. Like it was a prairie school. So my class was the biggest was six students and two of them were my cousins. So it's kind of like, you know, a real small country school and then it uh, closed down and I went to uh, Macklin High School after that. So, yeah. What was school like for you when you were younger? Um, pretty typical. I read a lot. Any opportunity I had a chance to read books, I would. Um, so I, I really loved math. I excelled at math. So I do my math work as quick as I could so that I could read books. Um, you know, we played sports, had friends, uh, it was pretty, pretty typical school. Um, but I always, I always found certain subjects like came pretty naturally to me, math being one of them. And I just tried to really pay attention in class and, um, probably didn't do as much homework as I should have. Don't tell your teacher I said that. Oh, I guess he's right there in the room. So, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, my, I'd say my school was, was pretty, uh, typical. I did, uh, just listen a lot in class and pick up on things that way. I'm going to have Henry come up here and ask you a question. All right. Come on, Henry. Uh, I think you're muted, Henry. Are the gloves better than a controller? In certain situations, yes. So the controller is great for a number of things. Um, I'd say the gloves are an alternative to the controllers and in certain cases, a lot better than the controllers. So where we really focus on uh, the gloves being superior is situations where you need hand presence or like a specific example is if you're trying to train somebody in virtual reality to do a task that in the real world you'd be using your hands it makes a lot more sense to use our gloves because you're going to get a much closer uh, a closer simulation to what these people are really doing versus them having a paddle and a, a trigger or button so to answer your question very shortly shortly Yes, in certain situations, our gloves are a much better choice than a controller. But for other things, controllers are fine. All right, thanks for answering my question. No problem. What specifically do you remember about grade seven? Grade seven was an interesting year for me because that was the year I switched from going to the small country school to the uh, to the big the big school in uh, Macon, which to me was a big school because there was forty students in a grade. 
I specifically remember having an argument with my math teacher and she was saying that you could have a fraction of uh, 90, basically have 99 as the denominator for, for dollars when it came to uh, pennies. I was adamant with her that you can't, you can't divide pennies in a dollar by more than 100 because you need 100 pennies to make a dollar. She wouldn't listen to me. And I stood my ground in front of the whole class till she got mad at me and uh, was going to send me out of the hallway. And to this, still to this day, I know I was right. So <laughs> if I showed you on the board, you'd, you'd understand. I remember that. Um, that was also a year I had broke my wrist playing soccer. So I started grade seven with a cast on my arm. And uh, that, was, that was kind of unusual. So it was like a new school, all these new experiences. Um, those are a couple things I, I specifically remember from, from grade seven. And being blown away by the fact that this school, this new school I went to had an actual gymnasium. It was pretty cool. So there's a couple highlights. If someone were to write a book about you, what would be a good title? The Glove Guy. <laughs> Can you tell us about an experience where you were nervous or apprehensive but chose to participate anyways and gave your best effort? Huh. Nervous or apprehensive. Yeah, I had a I had a meeting once with with uh a bunch of shareholders and it's someone that was going to be part of that meeting they were going to help with the presentations and different parts of the meeting and uh they pulled out at the last second and it was extremely stressful and i was like oh man but i had to do it i was this i was the founder ceo i mean there's no one else i could turn to and say hey can can you do this for me so I remember going through that presentation and even just being so, so busy trying to fill in uh, to do this work this other person was supposed to, that I was, I was out of breath by the time I even got up to speak. There's just so much going on. And yet, it still turned out really well. Um, people were happy to see the progress. You know, we had some people that maybe weren't, weren't as, uh, as excited, but the meeting went well. And, you know, we got through it and it was just a reminder to myself, like, you know, even though this, this was stressful and uh, a, a bit difficult, hey, I got through it and we're on the other side and it actually went pretty well. So, yeah, I remember, remember that. I'm going to have Vanessa come up here and ask you a question. Cool. Hi, uh, how exactly did you make the gloves and how long did it take to make them? Oh, that is a loaded question, Vanessa. Okay. Um, well, if I can put it in kind of a nutshell, to make the gloves, I first started with the prototyping stuff. Um, so I, I would build one, and then I'd see what I could do different, and uh, I would build another one. And then I'd build another one that was a bit better and another one that was a bit better. And like, so you would call this uh, iterative design or uh, iterative process. So you incrementally are making something better and better and better. Maybe it looks a little better or functions a little better or feels a little better. Um, so to start with, that's how I did it. And then when it came to the point where we really needed to engineer the glove and get it like to a commercial product, I knew that. I needed uh, I needed to work with some some engineers and people who were familiar with not just building prototypes but actually building something that we could put on a production line, something that would be as bulletproof as we could make it. So basically, to launch launch the glove, when we went from uh, a few years of me doing prototypes to roughly a two year period where we built up to a product launch we had up to 26 people all in total working on the glove of which roughly 10 of those 10 to 12 of those were engineers 
Um, so at that point, it wasn't me, it was a team and we all worked together on different aspects of the product to bring it to life. So I think that answers the question of what, what I had to do, how long it took. Uh, and that's basically what happened. So from, from when I made my first glove in uh, the late summer of 2004 to product launch where you could commercially buy it, it was uh, just over five years. So it went to April of 2010. And most of the real hardcore engineering happened in about a 24 month period um, prior to 2010. In your opinion, what makes someone an expert? Oh. I can tell you what doesn't make someone an expert. It's not just how long they've been doing things. That helps. I think, I think it comes from truly experiencing all the different aspects of something. It's not just about reading about it. It's like you did it. You're a practitioner. You've, you've felt it. You've touched it. You've worked with it. And you've done it. Usually it comes from a long period of time where you've looked at something and worked with something from all these different angles and perspectives. And not only that, but you've seen how that thing you work with interfaces with the real world. What happens when it rubs up against, you know, a system where it, it is having trouble working or a user that uh, has trouble making it function properly or a really weird application. Like you start to become an expert. I think it's thousands and thousands and thousands of little lessons stacked up on top of each other. That would be my opinion. And, you know, the other thing is you don't ever truly arrive to a place where you say, okay, like I know everything about this subject. It just keeps opening more and more and you just, you just keep journeying and learning more um, in your path to become a quote subject matter expert. Uh, but there is an aspect to it as well that it does take time. It takes time, patience and persistence to uh, cultivate true expertise in a subject. You can shorten that if you're really like enthusiastic about it and spend a lot of time working with it. Um, but at, at some point there's still the time required to become an expert. Do you consider yourself an expert? In the field of wearable smart gloves, yes. Um, I, I probably know more about them than maybe the top, I'm probably in the top three. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying that pridefully, it's just I've been working with them for so long and experienced so many different things and manufacturing techniques and user experiences that, uh, yes, at this point, I can confidently say I'm a subject matter expert on, uh, on, on wearable smart glove technology. There's going to be certain people out there that perhaps will, will definitely know more about, say, certain type of sensors or um, certain methods of, you know, maybe making gloves communicate with computers. There's going to be people out there that know more about certain fabric uh, options than me. But as a whole, when you take all the different lessons together that are in, like, just in, in my one brain here, I, I, yes, I would be a subject matter expert in that aspect. Have there been times that you felt discouraged as a business owner? Oh, yes. <laughs> many, 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 many times. More than I can count. Um, what, what we're doing here with this business is it's unusual uh, in the sense that we're a hardware company um, and we're in the field of wearable soft goods hardware. So it's like, it's a, it's a very difficult type of product and technology to get off the ground. Um, requires a lot of capital. It has a high chance of uh, failure. You've got to create a whole bunch of stuff that's never been, been done before. And uh, yeah, it can get 
it can get discouraging because you get you have a vision of where you know it can go of what you know it can become and yet as you're striving for that vision there's a lot of times that you're doing so with limited resources or um other opposition like like uh you know people that might really question what you're doing or or speak against it um i really think in a lot of ways the first version of this product we released in 2010 it was a technology ahead of its time and uh you know it was it started doing really well and then we we ran into some roadblocks and challenges and i really started questioning like where do we go from here uh what do we what do we do i know I believe in this technology and this vision and this idea of using the human hand in the, the digital world like this, but it just seemed like uh, there was so many obstacles and yeah, it, it can get super discouraging um, at times. What do you, what made you want to keep on going in your business? Um, the belief that I was meant to do this was a big part of it. Um, I, I believe in God and I believe that this was something that he chose for me to do with my life, just the way the idea came to me. Um, so there was that, there was also the part of me that, that said, you know, I've put so much into this. I need to keep going. I need to see this through. And a question I, I ask myself a lot of times is, uh, okay, can I see still see a potential path for this to succeed? Is there still a way this will work? If, if I was discouraged, right? I'd remind myself, okay, if we can just do this and this and this, we're gonna be a couple steps closer to getting more customers or getting more investment or getting the, a new version of the product out. So I'd always be looking for that path for success. And I said to myself, if a day ever comes where I can't look and see a relatively clear path that if we keep following this path, we'll, we'll succeed. If there's a day that comes that I really can't see that, then, then it's time to look at something else. But now, now that we're getting into the VR market, that path to success has become clearer and clearer than ever before. There were some days where it was really dark and uh, really what kept me going was, uh, yeah, my, my faith and just uh, at times just the decision to keep, just keep going on. Um, and in the end, you know, you try to keep the vision of what this canon will become in front of you and uh, you keep working towards that. What do you think failure has to do with success? Also, when did you fail and how did it help you? You can't be a success without experiencing failure. Um, you're gonna fail on your path to success and a lot of failures you learn from. Some you maybe don't learn as much from. Some they're just a failure and you gotta brush yourself off and move on. Uh, move on. Uh, gosh, when have I failed? Well, I've had a number of, of failures. Um, I guess the big thing about failure is you learn not to be scared. Like there's a lot of people that are so scared of failing they never try anything. And to me, that's, that's worse than failing. If you failed, at least it means you stepped out, you tried something different. You, you took a risk and you, you tried to make something work and maybe it didn't work. Yes, you failed, but you're, you're not, you know, you're not dead. You're on the right side of the dirt. Learn from it. Try something else. If you keep doing the same thing over and over and failing and don't change or adapt. Yeah, then that's a different story. But uh, a lot of the things that that we've run up against as obstacles it just caused us to look for a different way and we often found a better way around things. So yeah, failure is something you need to learn to deal with as an entrepreneur and an individual if you wanna be successful. And it's not 
it's not a bad thing. It happens to everyone. It happens to all the greatest people. How you respond to it, that is what matters. I'm going to have Logan come up here and ask you a question. Cool. Hello. Um, what VR games do your gloves work for? Hey, Logan. It's my brother's name. Um, our gloves will work for any Steam VR application. So there's thousands of VR titles that the Paragon Glove will work with. Uh, and then there's certain titles that also use something called the Skeletal Input API. It's like a digital posable hand uh, created by Valve Software. Uh, who who runs Steam VR, and our glove will also work really well with those type of applications. So, short answer: anything that runs on Steam VR, our glove will work with. Um, do you make any other things for VR? Yeah, sort of. We're actually just starting to launch a software creation division or a content creation. Uh, division where we're going to help companies build training content and applications for VR uh, using our gloves and other, you know, other um, methods of training. So yeah, not only are we doing hardware, we're actually starting to get into creating uh, software for VR as well. Thanks for answering my question. No problem. Did you make things as a kid? And if so, what were they? Yes, I made things as a kid. Uh, when I was younger, made, uh, played with Legos a lot. So that was like, I think a creative spark that started. Um, I tried to start learning how to program as well. And then um, I, did, I did experiment a little bit. I was interested in potentially making fireworks at some point. Um, so I, on the farm, sometimes we we lit things on fire that we probably shouldn't have, but uh, maybe maybe edit that part out. Um, <laughs> but uh, I did enjoy making things and uh, creating things. But uh, I would say when it came to like electronics and software, it was more so as I got older, I started making make more of those kinds of things. There just wasn't as many tools available when I was younger to create cool digital stuff as, as there is today. And we also created homemade movies and stuff, little little short skits and things. Tell us about someone who you looked up to when you were younger. Hmm. How young? <laughs> like 12 or 13. 12 or 13? That's an interesting one. Um, well, I mean, like most most young men, you know, you you look up to your dad, right? There's things he does that you think are so cool. Um, beyond that, trying to think of anyone who would come immediately to mind from that uh, from that time period for me. I did have a cousin in Edmonton that I thought was really cool. He was really in the computers and stuff. He's about three or four years older than me. And uh, I remember wanting to, you know, learn computers like he did, like be able to fix them and install stuff and you know, do things like that. Um, so I remember, I remember looking up to him and then, uh, yeah, he'd be one person that would, would come to mind. At this time, I'm going to open up the mic for anyone, for any students to ask any questions they might have. Okay, cool. I'm looking forward to this. Hi, my name is Maddox, and my question is, what's your favorite game on VR? Half-Life Alex. Probably my favorite VR game. Uh, I also really enjoy Beat Saber. Beat Saber is quite fun. Thanks for answering my question.
No problem. Hi, it's me again. Why did you decide to start making VR gloves? That's a really good question. So we had regular gloves that would detect your touches. And I tried my first virtual reality headset probably about 2015, 2016. When I tried it on, it like sent shivers down my spine. It was so cool. I knew I was seeing the future. The first thing I wanted to do was reach out and grab things, but you couldn't. You had to use a mouse and keyboard to move around. And I remember the day I tried that headset on, I, I knew that our gloves, this glove technology would be perfect for VR. So then had a discussion with, you know, my, my core team and I, we sat, talked and said like, this is the, this is the market we got to pivot towards. We got to go towards because the ability to use your hands in VR, like our glove will, will let you do, will be huge. Will be enormous at some point. And so we uh, started pursuing that as a company. Thank you for answering my question. You're welcome. Hello, my name is Ty, and my question is, what are the uh, other uses of your gloves in the real world? Or like in VR, what can they be used for? Cool. Yeah, um, so in VR, the other things you can use our gloves for is beyond just like training applications, there's there's games. Lots of cool games you could uh, play with that. Um, we're really interested in seeing people come up with more customized applications once they get, uh, sorry, I think there's a little feedback there. Oh, there you go, cool. Um, it'd be interesting to see what kind of customized applications people come up with once they get our gloves, more and more people get using our gloves. We've seen people use the gloves for like music production, live DJing. People use the gloves for uh, professional design work like AutoCAD, Photoshop. Uh, in the real world, I, uh, I believe that there's some underlying technologies we have that you don't see in our existing product that are gonna be extremely powerful for augmented reality. I can't say too much about that at this time, um, but there's some really interesting long-term real world applications we have for putting intelligence into gloves because there's millions and millions and millions of people that wear gloves every day for work, not for VR, just for work. I'll, I'll leave that part to your imagination. <laughs> okay, thank you for thank you for answering my question. Thank you. It was a cool question. Hello, my name is Elizabeth, and my question is: After you get people to buy and use your gloves, what's next? What's the next step? Okay, thanks for your question, Elizabeth. Um, so, once people buy and start using our gloves, the next step is to support them. So, if it's a business that buys it. We would hope that they'd enjoy their experience and they'd want to buy more gloves and maybe even create some software with us. So you've got to uh, talk to them, find out what they want, find out what they need, find out after they buy your glove, are they having problems with it? And can we fix those problems? Can we make it a really good experience? Uh, and same with individuals. Like, so when we sold gloves to consumers, some of them would message us and say, you know, we, we're having trouble getting this working. And you try to respond to them as quick as possible and help them with their issue. And uh, try your best to make them satisfied with, with the product and their purchase. Um, so, yeah, that's the next step is you got you to gotta have some follow-up. And hopefully that turns into a repeat customer down the road. Okay. Thank you for answering my question. All right. You're welcome. Um, have you ever, um, have you ever thought about making like a full body suit? Yes. Yes. Um, I'm not sure how big the market is for that yet, but, uh, a pretty cool thing to look at down the road. And we've looked at like stuff for your feet too, but we have to stay focused on one, uh, one application at a time, which is why, you know, we want to get this glove established. <laughs> 
but yeah, there's some other really cool stuff a person can do with, with virtual reality. Um, do you think that, um, your gloves could be a global success? Yes, I do. hundred percent. I believe that our gloves are the easiest to use, most effective VR gloves that will, that will be available at a really competitive price point. And, uh, I do think that as we release this version and future versions, yeah, I, I believe we will sell millions and millions of these gloves. Um, do you have any advice for somebody that would maybe like want to buy maybe like a headset or your gloves? It depends what your budget is. Um, there's some um, cheaper entry level headsets like the Oculus Quest 2. It's $550, which I mean, you know, it doesn't, maybe it doesn't sound cheap, but, uh, you know, compared to other stuff out there, it's a pretty cheap option. You get a lot for it. Um, if you can afford a premium virtual reality experience, we have the Valve Index headset and a high-end gaming laptop, and it's awesome. Like it's very cool, um, and it kind of—it's like experiencing VR at a whole different level when you get to experience a premium system like that. And then for our gloves, um, later this year. The commercial ones will be available, but uh, if there was people like local in town who wanted to try them out, you know, we we are happy when uh, people you know want to stop by our our office and come try it out and let us know what they think. Um, as far as buying them later this year, people will be able to purchase them. They'll be a little pricey, but uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe Cornelius uh, or. Mr. Mr. Cron there can uh, convince us to give you guys a discount or something. But yeah, uh, if you can afford all... the really good VR, it's like, it's amazing. It's just expensive right now. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, my name is Ricky and my question for you is, are there any other companies that are doing what you guys are trying to do? Yeah, good question. There's some. Um, so we do have competitors in the VR glove space. And the short answer is they're doing things different than us. So they're either detecting the bend of your fingers, which is like a non-patentable technology that is really good for motion capture and a beginning sense of immersion. But you don't get fine like finger fidelity. You don't get uh, crisp control with anything when you're doing uh, just bend sensing. So there's some real fundamental limitations to finger bend sensing gloves, but they're out there. And for certain cases, they're cool. Um, second is there's other companies trying to do what we would call a force feedback glove. These are generally a bulky glove, some kind of exoskeleton or cable running down your fingers. It tries to make it so if you grab like a cup in VR, they try to like put pressure against your fingers when you grab that virtual object. So it's like, oh, okay, I'm kind of grabbing something. Those gloves can be tremendously expensive. Like we've seen some for $9,000 US for a set. We've seen others for as much as $100,000. And you got to wear a backpack with a bunch of pneumatic air pumps to use it. Like it's crazy. So yes, there's other VR gloves out there but there's none that uh, take the simple and effective approach that our glove does by sensing touch. Thank you for answering my question. You're welcome. I like all these questions. Hi, my name is Timur and my question is, when you buy the gloves, what else comes in the box? Uh, so Timur, you'll get the gloves, you'll get a pod that goes on the back. You do have to select your size prior to ordering and uh, you will likely, so the commercial product will also likely ship with uh, like a special dongle that'll plug into a USB port. Um, then we'd look at, you know, probably a simple little quick start guide slash instruction manual and um, yeah, charger. <laughs> okay, thank you for answering my question. 
You're most welcome. Hi, my name is Ryan, and my question is, why did you decide to stay in Lloydminster instead of moving to a tech center like ones in Toronto? Uh, Lloydminster is where we got started. It, uh, it was a good place to grow for where we are at. Uh, family and stuff here. Um, so the decision of Lloydminster, we kind of grew organically here, but the, the real answer is at some point we, we will, uh, we will have to move to a larger center to continue to grow the company simply because uh, some of the resources we need just aren't as available in Lloydminster as they are in uh, some of the big centers. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, hello, I'm Zeta and um... How close is your current design to what you had first imagined it when you thought of it? Um, it's changed a lot. It's changed a lot from my first design uh, and it's continuing to evolve. In some ways, the first commercial product turned out like better than I had imagined, like the way it looked and felt. But some of the functionality, you know, we didn't, didn't quite get there from from where i first envisioned it but the glove i'm picturing in my head now it's something that like we may not be able to realize fully until like five years down the road like the ultimate version of what what i now know it can become um the glove we're about to release though is still a very it's a very cool very solid product the fact that we'd be using this glove for virtual reality is something that exceeded my imagination of, of where this when this first started. Thank you for answering my question. You're welcome. Hi, did you finish college before you finished your first glove? I was still in college when I built my first gloves. So uh, on the weekends, like after college and sometimes between classes uh i i was working on my my glove during college then as soon as i graduated uh, i finished my two-year diploma and i was originally going to go to university there to like in edmonton or calgary to try to get a degree or well work towards a degree in computer science but uh because i had started the company i i basically just focused full-time then on the uh on the business and just finished my two-year diploma once that was done i went full-time into uh into doing the peregrine okay thank you you're welcome hi it's me again um how many different prototypes have you made oh man definitely over a hundred um more than i can remember or count but yeah, definitely the prototypes that I have personally made, I've personally made over a hundred uh, easily. But uh, if you count like the whole team together and all the prototypes we've made over the years, oh, I don't know, I would guess five or 600 if you don't count the, uh, if you don't count some of the production stuff that just didn't turn out, yeah. I would guess around five or 600. Thank you for answering my question. No problem. Um, have you ever thought about making like a virtual desktop for like people that don't have a PC or like a high-end PC and they can just use it like on the Oculus Quest and they can just download Steam and play those cool games? Um, I think they already have something pretty similar to that. So the, the performance won't, maybe be as good but i see so that's not something we would make but i see people starting to work on it and it's exciting because yeah it starts to bring all that processing power you need for like a high-end vr experience it's happening somewhere else and it's just streaming the video to the headset and uh, i think that's what facebook's going for and i see some other companies getting on board with that it's exciting um so yeah, we may not make it, but I, I think there's other companies that are gonna 
do that and there's versions of it starting to come out already um good, good questions um where do you think that vr will be in like the next 10 to 15 years oh 10 to 15 years i don't know it might be a microchip in her head um <laughs> i i think i'd say in the next five years that wireless will be uh kind of a given there's a lot of lot of uh data required to go over these wireless headsets so there may be more and more all-in-one high-end vr headsets um, like really high-end stuff uh i think that in 10 years it's gonna be in a lot more places like right now i still don't think virtual reality has hit mainstream but it's coming it's getting better and better i think uh definitely in 10 years you're gonna see augmented reality getting very established which is like kind of a cousin technology to to vr it's similar um and once that takes off i think it's gonna become bigger than vr I think actually potentially even bigger than a smartphone or bigger than the smartphone industry will be augmented reality and 15 years from now. Yeah, I could, I could see, uh, just some tremendously incredible realistic VR and AR experiences and people doing work in VR and AR people learning in, in virtual reality. Like I can just see an entire world built out in virtual reality it's going to be it's going to be pretty incredible and the crazy thing about it is i think it's just going to become another part of our day-to-day -day life like like your smartphone right i mean this was like if you would have put this in someone's hand 15 years ago they would have been blown away absolutely blown away now it's a part of our everyday life we just take it for granted um so yeah i think 15 years from now if we could go there today and see it it would blow our minds 15 years from now, it's going to be like an amazing, cool part of everyday life. Really cool questions, by the way. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for coming, Brent. I hope you have an awesome rest of your day. You learned a lot about innovative technology. Thank you to my classmates for the questions, and thank you, listeners. Have a great day, and stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you guys. And if I could give you one little piece of advice, I'd say, you know what? Build stuff. Just build stuff. We'd love to hear from you. Send your questions, show ideas, or any other feedback to talkingtoexperts at gmail.com.